Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I don't know how to describe our mood right now. I don't think we're worked up, but we're passionately talking about what we all grinded through the last couple of days. I went through all four parts of the Swamp Kings documentary last night. From one to four, binged it, ready to talk about it. Wes, you did the same thing, right? I sure did. Definitely. Binged all four parts of the Swamp Kings doc. Fiddy was so excited about it, he woke up and caught the first two parts in the morning yesterday and then finished the last two parts last night. And I feel like this was the open review between all of us on a documentary more so in depth than we've ever had about a documentary before. I think because we were all anticipating it so much, we've been talking about it for months now, so we all were very excited about it. I feel like that was something we knew we all were going to watch the day that it came out. I knew it was coming out on Tuesday, and I watched the first three last night, and then I finished the last one this morning. Okay, so you woke up early. You woke up a little bit to make sure that you uh, took care of all of it. Yeah, this is what we're going to be talking about, getting off the bus in just a moment. I do want to get to a, a review on Bryce Young from different viewpoints. And then at 145, it's not going to be the campus corner. It's going to be Willie's corner kick. Willie P going to be hopping on with us at the end of the 12 o'clock hour. But let's do it. Mr. Bus Driver, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! All right, Wes, I'm going to give you the floor first here to talk about Swamp Kings. How much did you enjoy it? What was missing? Was it all there? What was your experience like watching the Swamp Kings documentary? By the way, a documentary many were anticipating because of how crazy that team was on and off the field. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Anytime you get to hear about one of the great teams uh, of my generation, especially a bigger Tim Tebow fan as I was, Brandon Spikes being a local guy coming out of Crest, him being prominently featured, uh, I thought that was all dope. I enjoyed it as well. I was a big Urban Meyer fan until he went to the Jaguars and things started coming out about some of the things that he was doing. Um, but all in all, enjoy the documentary going inside, especially the locker room scenes, the workout scenes brought back a lot of bad memories uh, as far as some of the things done there. And so uh, as far as what I wanted more, I'm with you guys. I did want to see a little bit more about some of the, the, the real dirt that was going on in the program, just how much Urban had to endure because don't get it twisted. All of that played a factor into him leaving as well. It wasn't just the anxiety, the crippling anxiety of him wanting to win games and the win-at-all-cost approach at Florida. It was definitely all that he had to go through as far as keeping guys uh, in check and, and covering up this and that. And then also I remembered him um, talking about the, the school systems and how hard it was to get guys in academically and things of like that. But all in all, I give it a B plus. Yeah, 
Patrick in Huntersville texted in 704-570-9610, said, I heard Swamp Kings was wildly disappointing and not worth the watch. I don't agree that it was not worth the watch. If you enjoy college football, then you're going to enjoy this documentary. There's a floor because you get to learn the history. You get to learn some behind the scenes stuff and get to see behind the scenes footage of a run that was as dominant as maybe some of, you know, maybe a Clemson, right? Winning a championship two out of the three years. Getting to see someone like Tim Tebow, who is one of the best college football players of all time. We know how talent laid in that roster was. It was absolutely ridiculous. It's worth the watch if you like college football. Honestly, if you just like sports and are iffy on college football, it's certainly worth it watching that program. But it's disappointing to me. Wes, I don't know. This is what I've compared it to a couple of times. When you go to social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and then the jokes about the upcoming 30 for 30 docs that would come out or that need to come out are there. Yeah. You have Oklahoma City that is number one on that list. It is the number one most top priority wish list documentaries out there. I can't wait till we get to see the trio in OKC, three MVPs on the roster, and they never win a chip. I want to see that 30 for 30. That's number one on everybody's list. I feel like Swap Kings was the second most mentioned wish list doc that everybody had out there. And it was because that team was wild. That team was nuts. So you had squeaky clean, genuinely squeaky clean Tim Tebow. Then you had Urban Meyer, which even in hindsight, even then we knew how crazy he was. But then hindsight, you can apply all of this stuff we learned during his time with the Jags and even Ohio State and apply it to, oh, we get to see the beginning stages of him at a monster school like Florida. Yes. I want to see what's going on with Urban. Aaron Hernandez was on that roster. The Pouncey Twins were on that roster. We get to see dudes that were nasty on the field like Percy Harvin, Brandon Spikes, even Brandon Seiler. Honestly, that was one of the more enlightening things about that doc. I think most people forget about Brandon Seiler. Yes. And And him being a prominent feature, that was cool. But other than that... Wes, we get minimal Aaron Hernandez. Like, zero talk about him outside of one interaction he and Tim Tebow had together. Didn't get anything on Hernandez. We got one mention of Percy Harvin being injured against Georgia, and we don't get to see how nasty he was because that guy is as good a skill player that we've seen in the last 30 years. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, just crazy. Just absolutely nuts. We don't get any Pouncy twin talk. None. And those dudes were those were dudes were rambunctious. Their personalities were nuts. They were also with Aaron Hernandez, not only all the time, being among the better friends that Hernandez ever had, as we got to see with the Hernandez-driven doc, but the Pouncey Twins were even allegedly at some of the problem nights for Aaron Hernandez. They were there at the club when Hernandez was bringing guns to the club and, you know, murdering people. Yeah, that stuff is going to be interesting to see what their takes were and what people's takes were on Aaron Hernandez. But we didn't get anything on it. And it felt a little sanitized for Urban Meyer. We talked about it coming into the studio. Yes. And Jeff said, oh, you mean that puff piece? <laughs> you mean you mean that documentary that tried to paint Urban Meyer in this wow. positive light? Yeah, man. It was, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't even disagree with Jeff's take on that. Those were the problems. It's worth it, right? It's an enjoyable watch. But, man, they did not cover everything that we wanted to see from one of the top wish list docs out there in all of sports. Yeah, and I thought Puff Piece from, from Def Jeff, as I like to call him, was a little strong. 
Because I did think he took his darts in there, though. He did, because players talked about how grueling the program was. Uh, We got, uh, what was it, Ahmad Black, or uh, talking about when he said that he was a recruiting mistake. Then they they breezed over the Jacksonville stuff as far as showing that he did get fired, but didn't get into the the nitty-gritty of why. It was at the very end. Yeah, Yeah, didn't get into it as to why. But, um, yeah, I, I said if I make that documentary putting the producer hat on, I would have had one episode dedicated entirely to the shenanigans. Yes, to the ish. That's what I would have had uh, where you just get the everything out about Pouncy Twins and uh, Percy Harvin and all that stuff because people forget Percy Harvin had a lot of issues in the pros and I'm sure kind of started at the University of Florida as well as far as some of the things that was going on there. So they should have just had a whole episode out of the many they had dedicated to that. I tried to look at some of the stuff that might be out there between Percy and Urban or Percy and his time at Florida. I couldn't find anything off of just kind of a surface level search that I had. So it was weird to not hear at all from Percy. Not hearing from the Pouncy Twins, I'm sure the Pouncy... I could see why they might not want to talk. But it would be mad fascinating to hear even a little bit about the Pouncy Twins. Also, we didn't talk about this, the local angle. Do you feel like they disrespected Chris Leak? Um, you know, that that's funny that you said that because he was fairly featured as far as being talked about. Um, and so... When you look at his Florida career, especially when he came out of high school here, I thought it would have been a little more than what it was, even though he was solid and didn't win a championship. I thought it would have been a little bit more prolific. So I don't think they uh, undermined him in, in the dock. I think they did a little. Chris Leak, not a Heisman winner. Nowhere, nowhere near Tebow. But it felt, <clears throat> excuse me, it felt a little like they thought Chris Leak was a scrub. Because they, he didn't fit with the offense, yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. But they talked about him. He wasn't a scrub. Yeah. He wasn't great. But they had no problem highlighting his faults. And the only endearing thing they say about him is when Urban Meyer talks about a leader walking out of that locker yes. room and Brandon Seiler and Chris Leak. And that was the only time they mentioned Chris Leak. But I don't know if Leak wanted to talk about anything. I don't know if they even sought his opinions. I don't know what happened there. But a little interesting to hear how they just didn't acknowledge. I mean, look, Tim Tebow, great recruit, but you know, didn't overtake Chris Leak's job and was in there in goal line situations, and we got to know that. But, man, we just kind of swept stuff under the rug. We didn't acknowledge stuff. We didn't hear other opinions from the parties that we arguably were most interested in. Tim Tebow, prominently featured, as you might imagine. But even this, the, the image with Urban Meyer, I wanted to throw up a couple of times with his portrayal. Yeah, I mean, and I thought that, obviously, some of the things that he did definitely happened. But I was just like, okay, well, if this guy really cares about the players as much as he comes across in this, then why did what happened at Jacksonville happen? That was my issue with that. Well, even Ohio State, we can't we can't skip Ohio State when he was hiding the fact that an assistant coach was allegedly accused of, or of, of domestic violence, and he allowed him to coach on that staff, despite him saying he had no clue about it. There was evidence to suggest that he did know about it. So, this guy has had problems literally at every step of his NFL and coaching career. Yeah. And Urban Meyer, well, you know, we're trying to portray him while there's a beautiful water view in the background discussing how much he took Chris Rainey in, and he he made Chris Rainey a part yeah, of the family. That was, that was one, too, where I was just like, man, well, where was this when you coached in Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. When you were talking to guys and saying reckless stuff to them, 
but yet here you are being painted as this kind-hearted, great father figure type of coach. Uh, Fiddy, you feel the same way as I do about some of these untold documentaries, right? And you feel like it was pretty much on display with the Swap Kings, by the way, documentary I know M-Dog is asking about it. Swap Kings is the untold series on Netflix. You feel the same way I do about this production. It's They gave ESPN the a, a nice blueprint for their starting point. It's a great appetizer. I came away from the Johnny Football one, a guy that loved Johnny Football. He was my favorite player mm-hmm. in college football, wanting more. This Florida team was the first team in college football I hated. I hated Tim Tebow. I hated Urban Meyer. I hated Chris Rainey. I was excited to see it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I, I came away with it wanting more. So, I mean, we, we got some of the storylines, but there's a lot of stuff that they just chose – not to get into and that's the troubling part because that's what we were there for we all knew tim tebow was great we all knew that urban meyer was not such of a great dude but there was some other stuff that we wanted the more insight onto what really happened on and off the field well the fortunate part about the era that we live in now is guess what we're about to get plenty of content that's going to give us some of that real material that we're looking for because you know anytime a big documentary comes out or a big movie People are going to be on these YouTube platforms. Guys, they're going to get ex-gators. They're going to find people that are going to talk about this stuff because I'm sure there are a lot of content creators out there that feel just like we feel. And we're about to start getting some interviews and different things like that on podcasts that are going to give us some of the stuff we did not get. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to. I'm going to be keeping my eyes peeled for that stuff. It's a great point. Who is going to be the Scotty Pippen of Swamp Yeah, it's going to be a few cats that's going to get on there and talk. Who is going to be... Percy Harvin. Who is is he? That's my question. Or Chris Leak very well could be the the Scotty Pippen. You know, they disrespect. If Scotty Pippen felt disrespected in Last Dance, I absolutely could see Chris Leak feeling disrespected here. Does Florida win that national title without Tim Tebow on the roster? That season? Yeah, the first season. Oh, I, I think oh, that answer is no. Yeah, I might have to agree creative, with it. You, you could be creative enough to the point where you just do wildcat with one of the other bigger guys to go mm-hmm. get your first down because that's what they used Tim Tebow. We acted the jump pass was sick. The jump pass was sick, but we acted like that was the Hail Mary that won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, it's sweet. I don't want to get it twisted. I remember where I was when I saw the jump pass thing, as crazy as that is to say, but we acted like the jump pass was oh, like, you know, it was something we hadn't seen before. Though. It into the end zone. You said what? I said it was something we hadn't seen before. Yeah, that's true. And then yeah. Dontari Poe did it. So, all right, we can we can move on from the jump pass. <laughs> Let's move on also on the sports docs. Here's what I want to hear. What's your favorite sports documentary of all time? 704-570-9610. Oh, Not sports show, sports movie. We've done that a ton. I want to know what your favorite sports documentary is of all time. 704-570-9610. Maybe like Swamp Kings, people will be talking about, man, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. I can't wait for that 30 for 30. Maybe like Last Chance You that you guys never watched. Yeah, maybe like that. And maybe they'll be taking some of our clips from this show. So we got to bring it in the next segment because we're going to be talking about the point of view of coaching staffs, of NFL execs on what Bryce Young has done so far. Let's get to it next. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. 
They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We left you with a documentary question. What's your favorite sports documentary of all time as we were given a recap to the Swamp Kings Untold Doc on Netflix? And we got a lot of responses. Panther Bo said, the best that never was. Marcus Dupree, 30 for 30. Yes. That was dropped over a decade that ago. That might be my favorite 30 for 30. Very good. And it was one of the earlier ones. I watch it all the time. If it's on and it's not much else on, I will watch it. Yeah. And this is, it's crazy to think that I remember when 30 for 30 dropped and each release was highly anticipated. And I was right. in high school. It would have been late 2000s. What was it, like 08 when they dropped? The 30 for 30s are fantastic. Marcus Dupree's a great one. Um, M Dog has mine. This is mine. The Fab Five. It's the best 30 for 30 yeah, out there. That's up there no better sports too. documentary. That's M Dog's text. I love the Fab Five. That's the same thing for me, for you, Wes. If it's on, I'm going to watch it. I love the entire storytelling process. Mm-hmm. I, with They don't get Chris Webber, but they explain why they don't. They don't ignore it. They don't ignore the elephant in the room. They address what happened, and they tell you Chris Webber declined to comment on this documentary. There's no questioning, right? We got to see that entire story. We got to see the other four members speak on it. We got to see the coaches speak on it. Mm-hmm. Love the Fab Five. 704, J-Hat said, Christian Leitner. I hate Christian Leitner. There was, it was like one doc, right? But there were the the four or five pillars of the, of the pitchfork that the devil had. And Christian Leitner, I hate Christian Leitner. That was one that was released like a decade ago, too. People love that one. Yeah. Do you like that one, Fitty? Is that your favorite one of all time? Oh, that one's, <laughs> that one's up there. I love the Fab Five. Um, the Bad Boys, the Pistons one is great. Bad Boys is good. And the one with the, about the Lakers and the Celtics rivalry, I guess, that in the four-part. fire. That one was fantastic. I think I, I watched it like three times over when it first came out. Wolfpack James said, obviously, survive in advance, which is very good. And that angle was really cool. It's good. Bringing all those guys together <laughs> to speak about it. I thought Survive in Advance was a good one. And 704 said the Marinovich Project. That one was a sad one. Poor Todd Marinovich. Yeah. Having your dad tie your right arm behind your back so you'd be left-handed. <laughs> I mean, that's so many, man. The RoboCop. There's so many. Uh, Delvis the Rock, last one, says The Last Dance. No surprise here. Big MJ fan. Loved Last Dance. It had its flaws. Not going to ignore it, but I loved it. It was must-see television, and I'm so glad that they decided to drop it when they did because we were all hurting. The the world needed something to do at the beginning of the pandemic, and they said, here you go. You get the last dance. We won't wait any longer to drop this thing. That one, to me, maybe I'm wrong. That one's like in a different category. Like maybe maybe it should be lumped in, but like but you I, got 10 parts, yeah. and those things are an hour. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a different category. But that's what you have to do to tell the story. Swap Kings. Hint, hint. Elbow nudge. Go ahead and just give us a five-part series. If you got, if you give us four, you can give us five. 
it, we don't got to go six, seven. We don't even got to go ten. Eight, nine. Mm. I mean, I mean, LeBron didn't, so why should Netflix? <laughs> not one, not two. All right, we can get to some of those uh, other favorite sports docs on the text line a little bit later. But we do have, believe it or not, some angry people that we're not talking about the Carolina Panthers. So let's appease those people, shall really? we? Do we? Yeah, a hundred percent. We do. We have some people that want to hear about Bryce Young, and I want to talk a little bit about Bryce Young. We heard from Michael Lombardi. We heard from Chris Sims more so yesterday and him being underwhelmed by Bryce Young so far in the first two preseason games. And no, I want to dwindle it down even more. Him being underwhelmed over six series, six that Bryce has played in the preseason. But nah, Johnny Muscles and Chris Sims' wife, they don't think he looks like a number one overall pick. So he decided to bring that to the mic. Let's hear from Jake DeLome talking about what he's seen from Bryce Young so far. But one thing I have seen is just a confidence in and out the huddle, a confidence in the pocket, two hands on the ball, watching him make checks. And I'll be honest with you, there was an incomplete pass against the Giants the other night that he was trying to throw to Mingo, and I thought it was a fabulous play. And I know it was an incomplete pass. He had to kind of shuffle a little bit to his left, and Mingo kind of got bumped by two defenders. Then he took off, and Bryce, Bryce set his feet, hurried up, and let it go. And, and he kind of laughed after the incompletion because I think he expected Mingo to go in a certain direction, and Mingo kind of went up the field. And so it was an incomplete pass, but I think he sees it. The game doesn't look overly fast for him, and that's a big thing. That was Jake joining the Kyle Bailey show yesterday, and you can go check that out, WFNZ.com, Kyle Bailey tab on the podcast feed. I wanted to bring that up, too, because Kyle was also talking about Chris Sims' evaluation of what he's seen from Bryce Young running so counter to what so many other people are saying about Bryce. It seems like everybody else is able to pick up context, apply it to what we're seeing through six series so far, and say the guy doesn't look flappable. The guy looks really poised. We do have a throw downfield in a third and long scenario to Hayden Hurst where they're able to set themselves up for a fourth and short, except Zavala holds. But even if he doesn't hold, I think he gets rid of that football. That's part of the more disappointing thing about it. It's the fact that he, if he doesn't hold, I, I still think that pass is in the air and being completed to Hayden Hurst. What do you have to say about Jake DeLome's point of view and your overall impression of what we've seen from Bryce? Well, it goes back to the old phrase, man, you can't please everybody. You know there's going to be people that are going to come out and not like what they're seeing from Bryce because he's not putting up gaudy numbers he's yet to throw a touchdown pass as of yet and so i'm not surprised that you're going to get some people that are going to question what's going on because he had detractors from the beginning whether it be the size or whether they felt like he didn't have the requisite arm strength there was going to be something so i knew that there were going to be critiques out there of him but as far as what jake said i agree with him i mean i think that just from the little bit that we've seen of him, he's able to stand in the pocket, take the hit, deliver the football. He's not back there jumpy like Chris Sims said. And maybe I go back and look at it again, but I, I did not see that from him, and I have not seen that from him. So I think he is a guy that's ready. He's very uh, polished at the quarterback position. He's a very polished prospect. And so I think that once we get a bigger sample size of what he can do, I think we'll get a broader scope. Wes, I'm glad you reminded me about the Sims comment about being jumpy in the pocket. I don't want to just be mad at people who don't think Bryce Young is going to be a good QB. Everybody's got different opinions on dudes. But man, I just see it so differently. If you wanted to talk about, I still have a lot of worries about Bryce Young, his lack of athleticism, the frame, 
I don't think that's going to be able to work based off of what we've seen from some of these other top QBs, especially with the day and age that the NFL has played in today. If you wanted to give me those takes, then fine. If you wanted to say that Bryce Young's athleticism, lack thereof, doesn't allow him to escape pressure with an offensive line that I'm not as high on, he doesn't have as strong of an arm, and so if you're wide receivers can't create separation. I think that it's going to be a problem within the confines of the passing offense. All of that makes sense, but Bryce young took a couple of hits already in the six series that we're talking about and delivered some passes, one downfield to Hayden Hurst that got called back. The first throw of his NFL preseason career was one where he had to hang in there Scan the left side of the field, look at Adam Thielen at the first down marker, and take a hit, boom, blindside. I just don't see at all where he's jumping in the pocket. It's not the fact that you're criticizing Bryce Young. It is what you're saying. It is the criticism that you have for Bryce Young. That's the problem that I, nor what I see from a lot of other people, nobody else sees that specific aspect of it. Doesn't I can't help but reference Johnny Muscles and Chris Sims' wife, but it was just such a weird thing. Yeah, it was such a weird thing for him to say. Yeah, I think so too. And I think with Panther fans too, you would have at least seen some even detractors of the Panthers that would have been on our text line saying that he that they agreed with Chris Sims, and I didn't really see anybody either that said it in that regard. So uh, I'm just not sure what he's seeing, and hopefully Bryce can come out. And uh, have a really solid performance to really get some of the people who may not be in his camp right now back there to say that he looks like the guy that's going to be the number one pick. But as I said, you can't please everybody and you were going to get this from somewhere. So we can also go to what the coaching staff is saying about Bryce Young. Scott Fitterer said he's unflappable. We saw that in the pre-draft dinner. He looks young in the face. He looks really young, but he's a grown man. What was it that Frank Reich said? Maybe, Fitty, you can remember it. Was he a stinking grown man? Is that what he was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope not a stinking one. Well, hopefully he's clean. Yeah. Hopefully he's got good hygiene. But I also, I kind of want you to be a stinking grown man. I didn't know that I wanted you to, but I do want you to be a stinking grown man. Thank you, Frank Reich, for selling that point home. But he also said he knows what he wants, how he wants it. That's a good place to start from when you're talking about him running the offense. We can even go to players on the team. Bradley Bozeman said, I couldn't tell you a time that he was rattled. One of the more impressive things as a rookie first coming in is that there's a lot going on, a lot being thrown at you, a lot in terms of the playbook. And he comes in, coach gives him the call. He turns around, looks at us, just pure confidence, and just rattles off the call right back to us. He's come in and just absolutely dominated this role. That's what everybody else, his players coaching staff GM is saying about him here, right here, right now. Let's hear from more um, from Jake DeLome talking about Bryce Young and how he doesn't feel small on the field. Again, just seeing that in person, but also watching, he doesn't feel small. And what I mean by that, like certain players can feel small on the field. Like they just don't see it. They're constantly kind of searching, craning their neck, trying to find a, a creep. It doesn't seem that way with him. It didn't feel that way watching him in person against the Jets for those numerous reps that he took, and it just doesn't seem that way watching him play. Yeah, I agree with that, too, because when you look at some of the throws he made, especially the one against the Giants, I feel like they were blitzing, and he hit what I believe to be his hot read. Um, Was that the Mingo reception? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When he hit him right there, I mean— Mingo was free because of that blitz. Yeah, you just feel like that he has answers to the test— uh, already, Of course, there are going to be some times when he gets stumped. But as far as what Jake DeLome is saying, as far as just him 
being a, a smaller guy and it looking like that and them having to constantly put him in positions like constantly rolling him out or constantly doing things to help him see the field better. You don't get that because he has stood in the pocket and thrown completions. And I think that's the biggest thing. And that's the thing that I was saying when he came out, he played with some really big offensive linemen at Alabama. So if he can throw playing with that line and he can certainly throw here in the NFL. So uh, I would agree with Jake and his assessment there. I think, People want the wow moments right now. And that's the reason that you might agree with Chris Sims. Most people don't. In fact, I I really can't think of another person that does, to be quite honest with you, as far as specifically what Chris said. But we have not had the wow moments. Aaron Rodgers likes Bryce Young. We know about the stamp of approval from him, your boy. But also Frank (laughs) Reich, which would be expected with the head coach of, you know, the quarterback in question here. ESPN had a write-up about the wow moments. And if you talk about practices, we've gotten them. We've got the deep throws of DJ Chark. We got Bryce Young leading a two-minute drill to score against the Jets' defense when they had their joint practices. So in practice, we get a lot of those wow moments, but not enough eyeballs are there. And so we're not seeing them in the games. We're not seeing them at least right now. You are talking about one moment Reich mentioned. He stepped up to avoid pressure, unleashed a sidearm strike to Chark that never got more than five yards off the ground. That was an elite throw, Reich said. And this was when you're talking about what he did, I believe, against the Jets in preseason game number one. Chark had that one reception. So even if it's not the 30-yard bomb, you do see the throw sidearm to Chark, five yards, tight coverage, able to complete that thing. Hayden Hurst is what I go back to. I thought that was a monster throw. Standing in there in the pocket, you know pressure is bearing down on you. Right guard is holding. Left guard got beat. Boom. Still deliver it to set yourself up for a nice play. I think it's not as apparent, but I do think you have some stuff on display if you pay close attention. Yeah, and I agree with your points all through that statement that you just made as far as what he's been able to do thus far, what he's shown. And as we said, until we get that bigger sample size for him to get out there where he throws it 30 to 35 times, I think that will uh, ease the concerns of many when we get to see a performance like that. Or it could make it worse, but I think it's going to be more on the side of easing those concerns. But I have no problems as far as some of the things that people try to take away from him coming into the draft, whether you talk about the size or – different things of that nature. I haven't seen anything. Uh, and, and Commander Malik says on the text line, and no batted balls so far either. That's right. And yes, I think Malik. that's a huge thing as well because I think if he would have had a couple of those by now, people really would have started to panic. Well, and it goes back to the question we had after the first preseason game where we didn't think Bryce Young did anything wrong, but if we wanted to compare it to some of the other rookie QBs, specifically Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson had some bad throws. He had the bad interception. There was some incompletions that looked pretty ugly with him throwing off of like one leg, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't want to speak too much to it. I might be mistaken on that. But we also saw the wow throw when he throws it deep to Alec Pierce and Pierce drops it. And that was right at the goal line. If he connects there, that's a wow moment. That's a wow play from somebody like that. So what would you rather have? Maybe they wash out. Maybe they are balanced on the scale. Would you rather have the Richardson type performance where you see something, whew, that was an NFL throw. That was a nutso throw where you throw it 30 yards downfield on a dime. Or do you want to see Bryce Young where no mistakes, not putting it in harm's way, 
but also connecting and seems to be processing at the level we all thought he would out of the draft. That's what people want to see. They want to see something. They want to have something to be able to hang on to to say that's why he was number one. They want to see some throw that he rips down the field or some deep ball or him have some type of sensational performance that people can say, see, that's why he was that. But he's been fairly vanilla, just like the Panthers' offense so far. And so that's why I think you're going to get some people that are going to push back saying, wait a minute, this is not what we wanted to see from him. Until they get those wow moments that you talked about, then I think we're going to uh, continue to hear a little bit of pushback on how good he's playing or how good uh, he can be. It's funny how the fan base has a couple of enemies now in Mike Lombardi and Chris Sims. We're getting some Chris Sims hate texts on the text line. I heard Mac and Bone talking about Mike Lombardi again with a few other comments. We'll play some of those comments a little later on as well. Panthers fans not here for some of the commentary from one Chris Sims and Mike Lombardi. I did want to go to the text line again, talk about some of the best sports documentaries of all time. Biscuits and Gravy had another one of my favorites. The Benji 30 for 30 was phenomenal. Great. Benji was great. Uh, four days in October, Scott, the XFL, AFL, USFL honk said four days in October. I just remember Kevin Millar running around like a crazy man that day in that documentary. Hey, anything can happen in a game seven. That's all I remember from that. Back in the day to throw back hoop dreams. You might not have seen that. Before. See, now hoop we're getting dreams. away from 30 for 30. But yeah, hoop dreams. I think if you look at a lot of sports docs, hoop dreams is number one in yeah, a lot of them. People great. loved it. And we got to mention the U because the part people love the U. Yeah, the U was great. Part one. Most people like I don't feel like part two got a lot of the fans. Well, yeah, part two was a little more, I guess you could say watered down. I guess you could say uh, for lack of a better term. But I definitely liked one better than two. But I still liked one. I you mean, still, like still two? liked two, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was a. It's the U teams that I remember. Plus that 2001 yeah. team being referenced in there. It's the most ridiculous roster I've ever seen in my entire life in college football. That's just how it is. That 01 Canes team was absolutely crazy. Let's go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? Fitty. You know what's funny, Walkers? You mentioned that 2001 Miami roster. I saw a list, I think maybe ESPN put together of the top five best rosters in the history of the sport, and 01 Miami wasn't on there, and there were people shredding the list left and right. They should have. It needs to be on the list. It needs to be. Speaking of another list, The Athletic pulled all their NFL riders to rank the 30 best stadiums across the National Football League. If you had to take a guess, where do you think Bank of America America Stadium falls? 20th. I think it's higher than that. 22nd. Oh, that's right. It was was 22nd. I knew it because I saw the list. Oh, you (laughs) cheater. I saw the list. I put it in the rundown. Why are you being a degenerate the first couple of shows? Yeah, I thought I had it, man. I put it in the rundown. You take the shade away from me yesterday. Now you're out here cheating (laughs) on some questions you would act like you knew about. You're being... I'm going to have to have an eye on you a little bit more. Hey, so man, I put, you know, I put it in the, uh, the the rundown, so I saw the list, but dang, I thought I had it. What do you make of that ranking? I was going to ask you guys, like, I mean, of course, y'all been to Bank of America Stadium. Like, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium came in number one. That's where the Vikings play. This is why 
we we need a dome. I think it was apropos. I mean, when I was sitting in the stadium at the uh, Keep Pounding Classic, I was like, man, this stadium needs some upgrades. Well, I don't mind the actual field. I don't mind the seats. I don't think there's, I mean, I guess there's the nosebleeds, but I, I don't think it, there's an awful seat in the house compared to other NFL stadiums that you might be going up and up and up. But the problem is the concourse. It's just all concrete. Yeah. It's so much gray. It's like you don't have any color vision whatsoever. And we learned that I am colorblind when I thought a blue t-shirt was black. And so this is maybe even a little bit more apropos to me because all I see is gray looking around. That's the only thing to me, though. I don't mind the actual viewing experience. So do you think it was too high, too low? I mean, I think it was right, 22nd. Well, I guess I don't know the other stadiums like that, but I can see how it'd be lower. Like, I, Yeah, especially with the concourse. And it's crazy to think that even if this is one of the younger franchises, that that stadium is now one of the older stadiums. Yeah. They, you know, you get a new stadium every year from some team, whether it be Vegas, Atlanta. Yeah, they need some upgrades that you need something, man, yeah. because they're building just absolute crazy stadium. And Tepper's going to make us pay for it. That's how it's going to be. <laughs> All right, let's move on. It's the campus corner turned Willie's corner kick. It's coming up next. Willie P. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. Sorry, Campus Corner, but when Willie P is on at 12.45, we go to Willie's Corner Kick. It's Wesley Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, welcoming the voice of Charlotte FC, Willie P, to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie, do you like the Corner Kick segment? It's all right. I feel, <sighs> like, we can, uh, I feel like we can do maybe uh, Willie's set piece. How about that? <laughs> Willie, I never told you this, too, but I, I knew the term corner kick because I once did public address for soccer at Charlotte Country Day. Did you? Seriously? I sure did. I That's did. good. He's coming yeah, for your so job, we got, something, we got something in common. Um, can you... If, if I, you al- I always knew that you appreciated the beautiful game. Yes. I always knew. Hmm? I, I feel like a couple of times, Willie, I just want to air this out. I feel like a couple of times where I want you in studio, I try to give you just like, you know, trying to banter back and forth. It's like, hey, we got Willie's Corner Kick. You're always underwhelmed. Like, I don't really want to go to the studio just for y'all. Uh, corner Kick is fine, but yeah. I got something better. Yeah. It just feels like you've always got something smart to say, and all I'm trying to do is extend an olive branch. <laughs> I, I appreciate every uh, every opportunity I get to share the room with you guys. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, Wednesday... You know, I, I would have been able to come yesterday, but uh, but you guys were out at the uh, the golf course, and then today, unfortunately, we've got a lot of stuff. We're uh, we're taping an interview at one o'clock with Bob uh, Belair, Charlotte FC's technical director, and also one of the guys in charge of Crown Legacy. So 
And then we're also going to talk to uh, the new left back, Yeri Yaronin. So unfortunately today, I actually am uh, a bit tied up, but... Uh, I will see you guys at some point here in the in the near future. All right, that we appreciate that. that. Helps me a little bit. Now I'm getting over it. I guess now I'll still try to figure out how to make the Steamboat Willie P T-shirts that I want so badly to be created. It's Willie P joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I did want to talk some Carolina Panthers stuff before we get to Charlotte FC real quickly because Bryce Young was a part of the conversation in the last segment. I just want to know after two preseason games for Bryce, what's impressed you the most about the rookie quarterback? Well, I think we always kind of wondered, you know, what he was going to be like from a a mental clock standpoint. I think we always knew he had the arm. I think we always knew that he had the ability to evade pressure. But I think we wondered kind of when that uh, that internal clock would start going. Unfortunately, he's not had a lot of help from the offensive line standpoint. They have not performed the level I think that we're expecting them to perform at when it comes to Iki Iquanu and Bradley Bozeman in particular. Those two guys had rough moments against the New York Giants and Iki also against the Jets. So. I do feel like from that standpoint, I'm looking to see more out of those positional guys. And I also feel like the one throw uh, between him and uh, Jonathan Mingo that uh, Mingo apparently gave up on the route on uh, really kind of unfortunately set a bad tone for their uh, relationship. But I do feel like Bryce, in the limited amount of opportunity that he's gotten, has looked good. It's just a matter of whether or not we get to see it week one. I I do feel like I believe Frank Reich when he says at first blush that they're trying to hold everything back from a game plan standpoint and that Bryce Young has looked a lot better in the practices than he has necessarily in uh, in these game formats because I think these game formats, at least from what, uh, what Frank Reich is saying and what some of the other coaches have said, is that they're designed to show very little because they don't want to show uh, very much. Well, Willie P., I uh, wanted to ask you, as far as you're concerned right now, do you have any type of panic meter for the Panthers? And if so, uh, what is it? Because aside from... Uh, the scores, we don't care about the scores, the wins and losses, but some of the things that you've seen, like the offensive line play and things of that nature, where are you at with that? Well, I think it was very evident uh, when you saw them go out and sign Troy Hill, how worried they are about cornerback depth and, and how worried they are about, you know, even a guy like Dante Jackson having the ability to stay on the field without uh, coming off because of injury. Uh, I feel like the, the Marquan McCall uh, waving was, I think rather curious because I think he's somebody who you looked at and saw that was actually one of the the higher contributors over the early part of the preseason and especially during training camp. But Frank Reich was concerned about the fit, and I do feel like that's a legitimate concern to say, okay, if Marquand McCall isn't it, then who are the guys you're looking at as you know the nose tackles and the guys who are the the rotational players in terms of that defensive line outside of Derek Brown and even a guy like Henry Anderson who I think we thought was chiseled for a very major role, but he's been injured too as well. So I do feel like those are two real concern spots. The offensive line, which I, I kind of already covered, is, is unfortunately a bit paper thin when it comes to depth. They're still trying to figure out what right guard is. And I think the, the overall arching concern is that outside of the top 22, 25 players on the football team, there aren't a lot of guys you can count on outside of that in order to try and feel like you're going to win on Sundays with. So I think trying to address the depth, and I think that's part of the reason why you've seen the approach that they've taken, is that I think they're pretty set with who their starters are in a lot of positions and, and set with what they're going to be when they actually strap it on for real. But they got to find guys in the 30 to 45 and even 50 part of the roster that if they have to call on those guys, they got to be able to win. And that's unfortunately where I feel like some of the shortcomings have been. 
Willie P, coming out of the League's Cup, flipping over to Charlotte FC now. Now, we know that the championship game against Miami didn't go the way they wanted it to, and then the match got postponed that they were supposed to play against them after that. But do you feel like that maybe that tournament gave them confidence uh, going forward as they have LAFC coming up? Do you feel like that this team could come out and maybe go on some sort of a run with maybe some confidence they got from that tournament? Well, I think you you heard – not only had Coach Chris Latanjo talk about this, but you also heard Zoran Cornetta address this even before the tournament was over. He said that he believed that the win-or-go-home nature of the League's Cup, especially in the knockout stage, allows you to play with certain urgency when it comes to the stretch run of a season. You know, regular season games in April and May have a different tinge to them than what you're seeing in August, September, and October. Teams take more chances, and a lot of times, and I said this to you guys previously, a lot of times chances aren't rewarded in the early portion of the season because teams are trying to play for a point. They're trying to, you know, grind out results and, and get certain things done during the early part of the season, whereas in the latter part of the season, teams need three as opposed to one. And a lot of times there are certain teams, when they're down, they'll take more chances. They'll play a certain way that's different than the way they see in the earlier part of the season. So I do feel like Getting that experience for Charlotte FC, being in the last eight of a tournament that included every team in Major League Soccer and League MX, definitely can help them. But the treacherous stretch of this season is definitely ahead of them. They got LAFC, as you mentioned, over the weekend. They play Orlando, who they did beat on the road, but Orlando's a better team now than they were when Charlotte FC saw them. And a couple of other tough customers awaiting them, including a return matchup against Philadelphia. So it's not going to be easy, but they definitely got some great seasoning by the way, they went through that League's Cup tournament. Last thing before we get you out of here, Willie, you talked about the difference in MLS play. What do you expect to be different specifically for Charlotte FC in the way they play as they start to switch gears? I think they'll be a lot more aggressive. They're getting some guys back. Uh, they got a brand-new uh, left back in Yara Yaronin, who we may see as soon as this weekend. I do feel like that'll allow Charlotte FC to push the tempo up a little bit further. Uh, I think with the combination of Carol Svidersky and Patrick Gajiman, definitely unlock some things uh, with the way they played both against Houston and in the second half against Miami. I think that's something you definitely can look at and say is possibly something we might see a little bit more of. I'm wondering uh, what the competition at winger is going to be like as well because I know some guys differentiated themselves, but other people uh, got dropped for other uh, other assignments like Ben Bender, who's somebody who I think really came on during the, the League's Cup. And you've heard uh, the coaches talk about Jalen Lindsay as well as somebody who has come out and been uh, been a lot better from that standpoint. So I do feel like it will be a much more aggressive nature to this side. I don't feel like there will be a lot of sitting back and, and trying to play through the back. I think they'll try to do a lot when it comes to trying to uh, assert their position. Uh, it'll start this weekend, though, against LAFC, a team that's got a lot of talent, has had some up-and-down nature over the course of the season. They've played more games than anybody else in Major League Soccer to this point because they're playing in the CONCACAF Champions League and also in the U.S. Open Cup and the League's Cup. So... We'll see whether or not the travel will affect them because they got to play tonight against Colorado. So I'm curious to see whether or not fatigue sets in for them and whether or not Charlotte FC will try to attack that with some aggression throughout the 90 minutes on Saturday. That's the voice of Willie P., the voice of Charlotte FC here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. For Willie's corner kick, I'm sticking with it, Willie. I hope you like it because you're going to have to be a part of that segment going forward. Can you answer me a question? Was Fitty the inspiration for that segment they did on Mac and Bone with talking about a date versus a game? Because I know that he's had that particular uh, that particular conundrum as part of his life, and he's always picked a game over the girl, which I uh, 
I find a little bit sus. No, it's a said. it's a good question <laughs> though. I mean, Fiddy is is shaking his head that that was not inspired by him, but it's a good question because we've had this very conversation with him before. A guy that locks himself in the house for Big Twelve football and would choose Big Twelve football over going on a date. So I think that's a fair I, question by you. I would like companionship to mean more. For anybody, Fiddy, and by companionship, I don't mean with Ramsey. All right, let's work. <laughs> let's all work on it together and try to show Fiddy the light, such as Willie P just did. We appreciate it, Willie. Thanks again. All love, guys. Appreciate Thanks, you. All right, hope to see him in, in studio uh, sooner rather than later. Did want to point out some news coming out of Carolina Panthers real quickly. Frank Reich spoke to media, and Joe Person tweeted out a comment. Frank Reich indicates DJ Chark is injured declines to expand on his situation, quote, at this point. Joe Person's analysis on it is, doesn't sound great. Joe would also follow up with Frank Reich does say he's, quote, not anticipating any big moves at the wide receiver position, but they will continue to evaluate day to day. We'll give you some thoughts on this DJ Chark injury situation. We'll also give you the team week continued with Clemson. The defense is highlighted today. Lots to get to on Wesson Walker. Stick around. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.